God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. Ignatius of Antioch. St. Ignatius was one of the most important leaders of the early church. He was born in the first century, very soon after the church was established, and became the Bishop of Antioch around the year 70. Antioch was a very important centre of the new Christian faith. The Bible records that Jesus' followers were first called Christians in Antioch. St. Peter was traditionally believed to be Antioch's first bishop before he moved on to Rome. Tradition also holds that St. Ignatius was a disciple of St. John the Apostle, making him one of the second generation of leaders of the new Christian faith. St. Ignatius would be executed for his faith in Christ, one of the most important martyrs of the early church. Let us share an account of his life from the website of the Catholic News Agency. In a 2007 general audience on St. Ignatius of Antioch, Pope Benedict XVI observed that no church father has expressed the longing for union with Christ and for life in him with the intensity of Ignatius. In his letters, the Pope said, one feels the freshness of the faith of the generation which had still known the apostles. In these letters, the ardent love of a saint can also be felt. Born in Syria in the middle of the 1st century AD, Ignatius is said to have been personally instructed, along with another future martyr, St. Polycarp, by the Apostle St. John. When Ignatius became the Bishop of Antioch around the year 70, he assumed leadership of a local church that was, according to tradition, first led by St. Peter before his move to Rome. Although St. Peter transmitted his papal primacy to the bishops of Rome rather than Antioch, the city played an important role in the life of the early church. Located in present-day Turkey, it was a chief city of the Roman Empire and was also the location where the believers in Jesus' teachings and his resurrection were first called Christians. Ignatius led the Christians of Antioch during the reign of the Roman Emperor Domitian, the first of the emperors to proclaim his divinity by adopting the title Lord and God. Subjects who would not give worship to the emperor under this title could be punished with death. As the leader of a major Catholic diocese during this period, 
Ignatius showed courage and worked to inspire it in others. After the mission's murder in the year 96, his successor, Nerva, reigned only briefly and was soon followed by the Emperor Trajan. Under his rule, Christians were once again liable to death for denying the pagan state religion and refusing to participate in its rites. It was during his reign that Ignatius was convicted for his Christian testimony and sent from Syria to Rome to be put to death. Escorted by a team of military guards, Ignatius nonetheless managed to compose seven letters, six to various local churches throughout the empire, including the Church of Rome, and one to his fellow bishop Polycarp, who would give his own life for Christ several decades later. Ignatius's letters passionately stressed the importance of church unity, the dangers of heresy, and the surpassing importance of the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. These writings contain the first surviving written description of the church as Catholic, from the Greek word indicating both universality and fullness. One of the most striking features of Ignatius's letters is his enthusiastic embrace of martyrdom as a means to union with God and eternal life. All the pleasures of the world and all the kingdoms of this earth shall profit me nothing, he wrote to the Church of Rome. It is better for me to die in behalf of Jesus Christ than to reign over all the ends of the earth. Now I begin to be a disciple, the bishop declared. Let fire and the cross, let the crowds of wild beasts, let tearings, breakings, and dislocations of bones, let cutting off of members, let shatterings of the whole body, let all the dreadful torments of the devil come upon me, only let me attain to Jesus Christ. St. Ignatius of Antioch bore witness to Christ publicly for the last time in Rome's Flavian Amphitheatre, where he was mauled to death by lions. I am the wheat of the Lord, he had declared before facing them. I must be ground by the teeth of these beasts, to be made the pure bread of Christ. His memory was honoured and his bones venerated soon after his death around the year 107. St. Ignatius wrote many letters that had an immense influence on the church in centuries to come. One of his writings describes the leadership structure of the church, in which bishops administer churches in a diocese, assisted by priests and deacons. This structure is how many churches, for example in the Anglican, Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions, are organized still today. But perhaps one of his most important writings is his Epistle to the Romans, which he writes in anticipation of his exile to Rome and his martyrdom. Rather than asking for help in escaping execution, Ignatius asked the Christians there to not interfere, 
but rather allow him the honour of dying for Christ. This letter inspired many generations of Christian martyrs after Ignatius, and also shaped the Christian understanding of martyrdom and sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Let us read an excerpt of this letter. I am writing to all the churches to let it be known that I will gladly die for God, if only you do not stand in my way. I plead with you, show me no untimely kindness. Let me be food for the wild beasts, for they are my way to God. I am God's wheat, and shall be ground by their teeth, so that I may become Christ's pure bread. Pray to Christ for me that the animals will be the means of making me a sacrificial victim for God. No earthly pleasures, no kingdoms of this world can benefit me in any way. I prefer death in Christ Jesus to power over the farthest limits of the earth. He who died in place of us is the one object of my quest. He who rose for our sakes is my one desire. The time for my birth is close at hand. Forgive me, my brothers, do not stand in the way of my birth to real life. Do not wish me stillborn. My desire is to belong to God. Do not then hand me back to the world. Do not try to tempt me with material things. Let me attain pure light. Only on my arrival there can I be fully a human being. Give me the privilege of imitating the passion of my God. If you have him in your heart, you will understand what I wish. You will sympathize with me, because you will know what urges me on. The prince of this world is determined to lay hold of me and to undermine my will, which is intent on God. Let none of you here help him. Instead, show yourselves on my side which is also God's sign. Do not talk about Jesus Christ as long as you love this world. Do not harbour envious thoughts. And supposing I should see you, if then I should beg you to intervene on my behalf, do not believe what I say. Believe instead what I am now writing to you. For though I am alive as I write to you, still my real desire is to die. My love of this life has been crucified, and there is no yearning in me for any earthly thing. Rather, within me is the living water, which says deep inside me, Come to the Father. I no longer take pleasure in perishable food or in the delights of this world. I want only God's bread, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, formed of the seed of David, And for drink I crave his blood, which is love that cannot perish. I am no longer willing to live a merely human life, and you can bring about my wish if you will. Please then do me this favor, so that you in turn may meet with equal kindness. Put briefly, this is my request. Believe what I am saying to you. Jesus Christ himself will make it clear to you that I am saying the truth. Only truth can come from that mouth by which the Father has truly spoken. Pray for me that I may obtain my desire. I have not written to you as a mere man would, 
but as one who knows the mind of God. If I am condemned to suffer, I will take it that you wish me well. If my case is postponed, I can only think that you wish me harm. Saint Ignatius of Antioch was one of the earliest saints of the church, but his influence is still profound even today. Let me mention the works of Father Stephen Damick, a priest of the Antiochian Orthodox Church, Antioch, where St. Ignatius is from. He has a very prolific writing and teaching ministry, both in print and online, and he has written a lot about St. Ignatius in particular. I would recommend his book wholeheartedly, titled Bearing God, The Life and Works of St. Ignatius the God-Bearer. I will read now, an excerpt from Father Damick's writings on the saint. This is not from his book, but from a lecture series he gave on St. Ignatius of Antioch. Men of flesh cannot act spiritually, nor can spiritual men act in a fleshly way, just as faith cannot perform deeds of unfaith, or unfaith those of faith. But what you do in relation to the flesh is spiritual, for you do everything in Jesus Christ. St. Ignatius of Antioch, Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 8, verse 2. Once the proper relationship of the spirit to the body is established, that the spirit rules the body, not the reverse, then all of life becomes spiritual. There is no spiritual part of life. There is only life which is spiritual. As Ignatius writes, But what you do in relation to the flesh is spiritual, for you do everything in Jesus Christ. This vision is decidedly different from those who try to inject the secularized vision of compartmentalization even into church life. Some people believe that there are spiritual parts of life in the parish and business parts and try to arrange authority and responsibility accordingly. The division that exists in their own lives, where some things are spiritual but other things are otherwise, is being projected into the very Church of God. This approach to church life is sometimes called the upstairs-downstairs church that is, the spiritual part, governed by the clergy, happens upstairs in the church. Everything else governed by the lay leadership happens downstairs in the parish social hall. The laity don't tell the clergy how to run the church services, and the clergy don't tell the laity how to spend the money. But such a division is alien to Ignatius. For him, everything the Christian does in relation to the flesh is spiritual, because he does everything in Jesus Christ. The Christian is always a God-bearer, whether he is serving the divine liturgy or scrubbing toilets, and so he is subject to the authority and ways of the kingdom of God, not secular society. It is contradictory to suggest that there can be any secular side to either a Christian 
or his parish community, because God is always there with us. Ignatius says nothing escapes the Father's notice, even our secrets are near him. We should therefore do everything on the assumption that he dwells in us, so that we may be his temples and he may be our God in us, as is the case, and as will be manifest before our face by the effects of the love which we justly bear toward him. In Ephesians chapter 15 verse 3. If we are temples where God dwells, everything that we are and everything we do is spiritual. If, as Ignatius says, we are God-bearers, then there can be no secular life for the Christian. And there can also be no upstairs-downstairs church for a parish. All that is to be done can only be done as prayer, under the spiritual leadership of the bishop and his appointed representative. It is not that clergy are qualified to do anything. They need the expertise and experience of everyone in the parish. It is that everyone, including the laity, is a minister in the church, and the bishop or his presbyter is the chief minister, the one who directs all and helps all to see how we may do everything on the assumption that he dwells in us, so that we may be his temples and he may be our God in us. St. Ignatius of Antioch is celebrated on 20th of December in the Eastern Orthodox Church and 17th of October in the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglican Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church also celebrates him on January the 29th. This date commemorates the transfer of his relics. Thank you for listening to the Christian Saints podcast. Look for the Christian Saints podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end by reading the Troparion for St. Ignatius of Antioch, which is read and sung on his feast day. By sharing in the ways of the apostles, you became a successor to their throne. Through the practice of virtue, you found the way to divine contemplation, O inspired one of God. By teaching the word of truth without error, you defended the faith, even to the shedding of your blood. Harumata Ignatius, entreat Christ God to save our souls.